Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way. This is our Southridge member podcast, helping all of us uh, get some inside scoops in the life of our church. And uh, today we've got our student ministry pastor, Keith Kyer, visiting with us. So welcome back, Keith. Thanks so much. Good to be here. How's it going? Uh, how's it going these days in your world? Pretty good. Um, you know, family's doing all right. We're some days feel really productive and we have lots of fun as a family. Some days feels like the TV's on way too much and other days feels like there's a lot of yelling and tears and sometimes <laughs> even the kids cry. You know? we, we talk about, uh, you know, people navigating the pandemic in different yeah. seasons of life. For you and Hannah, you've got three young kids. What is that like? Yeah, it's wild. Um, you learn how much you appreciate school and your teachers and um, just that alone time that you get during the day or even time to clean the house and whatever. And so it's tough. Uh, it's something that we're definitely not used to. And, uh, but we're, we're getting through it. You know, we're, me and Hannah are helping each other out. So we're, we're finding systems that work. That's great. That's great. Um, yeah. Hey, you want to talk a little bit about how uh, ministry life's going during the pandemic? That's not the focus of this mm-hmm. conversation, but you know, anything you want to say about student ministry these days? Sure. Yeah, it's it's been tough as well. You know, the things that are most important to our ministry, like making sure that parents and students are feeling heard and supported, and building relationships with their students. Or, you know, just learning how to follow Jesus better together. These things are hard with the restrictions. So it's been tough. But along the way, there's been some really amazing moments and memories and wins. So it's had its ups and downs, just like home life and everything else. But, yeah, it's been it's been. Yeah, good. I mean, be similar to what we're navigating as a church, like anything dependent on relationship or community mm-hmm. has been... It, it, it's it's been a real grind, I think, for all of us. Yes. And so I'm sure knowing how relationally hungry teenagers are, um, I live with three of them, so I can certainly <laughs> right. uh, testify to that in my own world. So yeah. I can imagine that that's, that's a huge challenge for you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, I want to talk about, uh, we've used this language recently about our emerging generation. Mm-hmm. So not even just necessarily students, but you know, more young adults, uh, typically we would refer to them as next gen, but I know you and some others have wanted to change that language and into referring to them as the emerging gen. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously your experience now three, four years in working with students has also blossomed into this passion for the emerging generation. Um, mm-hmm. I guess first things first, talk about your heart for this demographic. Where did that come from? Sure thing. Well, it was just a month ago I was part of this demographic, and now I'm 30 and getting seniors discounts and back pains. Um, right, wish- you're, you're out of the 18 to 29 yes, demographic, I right? Am, unfortunately. Yep. Uh, I wish, honestly, I could dedica- dedicate a whole podcast to this question, but over the last four years, I've just been reminded that young people are a crucial part of the body of Christ that we can't live without. And if we want to know, the new things that God is up to in our communities and in our world, then we need to be attentive to what God is doing in their hearts. And so I'm just ravished by this idea of the kind of church that we could be when we're attentive to that and the vitality and radiance that young people bring to the body of Christ. 
I know you and I have had some conversation over the past six months. It was actually started early in the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so describe for us some of what you've been most passionate to see happen lately when it comes to this demographic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I've been most passionate about this idea of integration, uh, integrating young people into our commun- in our community into the life of our church, uh, or you could call it like intergenerational community, right? People of all ages, worshiping, growing, and serving alongside one another. So that's something that's just been captivating me. And and where did that come from? Like, where did the need for integration come from? Why are we Why are we feeling like we need that? Uh, well, just yeah. Over the last four years, of you know, like I said, being reminded of this crucial part of the body of Christ, and just seeing what God is doing in their lives, and having a passion for that, and wanting to see us be the church more with them. And seeing some gaps between, you know, how we say we love and and incorporate students and how we actually live that out. And just how it seems like there was this, this segregated part of the body of Christ that, that wasn't being totally included in everything else our community is doing. Yeah, it's been interesting in the conversation that you and I have had and some other emerging gen and mm-hmm. Carrie Jones, our family life pastor, uh, kind of all back and forth, mm-hmm. observing that even the the inherent design of having a family ministry has mm-hmm. contributed to this a little bit. I mean, there was a day, right. you know, we never had a, a set aside family ministry, but the idea of pulling kids ministry, student ministry, you know, even some ministry to young adults, marriage, mm-hmm. parenting ministry, things like that. And, and kind of creating its own department mm-hmm. was designed so that all of these pieces that are focused on you know, family life and the emerging generation could be better together than right. as if we were alone, right? That there was right. going to be some, some strength from this kind of separation and, mm-hmm. and and a bit of a focus that it would provide. But right. I guess what you've been sensing, the language that you've used a number of times in conversation with me has been feeling like you're part of a group that sits at a kid's table. Right, yes. Like there's a grown-up's table and then there's a kid's table. And I remember the first time you said that, I said, well, there's a reason you feel like yeah. you're sitting at the kid's table because essentially we've designed a kid's table. Yeah. We, we've, we've created a separate table uh, of ministries to focus on uh, serving the next generation of our community. But that separation, uh, I think, has uh, has contributed to a sense of segregation and, and a loss of integrating mm-hmm. these vital body parts into the life of the body of Christ. And mm-hmm. so that's kind of been your, your pitch, your case lately. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we devoted the fall to kind of experimenting with some of this. What would you say that we learned this fall about the dynamics of integration? Learned a lot. Um, we learned that, the, you know, the whole community needs to care about this. It's not just the family ministry team's responsibility, like you were saying. Uh, a community needs to draw on all ministries and together have an integration mindset. I learned a community will have a more full and holistic experience of the kingdom of God when it blends all of God's people. I learned that you don't need to blow up your family ministry department to integrate. You don't need to change your title to integration pastor. You know, as hard as that was for me to hear when I first heard that, you know, as I was reading this book called One Body by Sam Halverson, um, I learned that 
you need to trust and respect the process of experimenting and don't hang on to your ideals with a clenched fist. You know, you've got to be open with the process and to trust your leadership. Like they want this and they believe in this. And, you know, if they don't yet, like don't give up on your, on your dreams of integration. So yeah, we had talked things. about, we had talked about some ways of integrating and I feel like we kind of experimented with the most drastic way yeah. of, of, you know, even experimenting with some structural changes Right. And like you said, realize that, you know what, there's probably, without blowing up the whole structure, there's probably some behavioral changes that we can yeah. make that now, you know, moving forward, we can do family ministry, we can do kids ministry, student ministry, young adult ministry in a better together focused way Absolutely. as a separate ministry. But I think we can behave differently in a way that that separation behaves more like integration than segregation. Exactly. Well, my first, my initial thought was like, in order for integration to work, every department needs to kind of bear this responsibility together. And so what if each person in family ministry integrated into a different department? That way there would be this like integration and kids and family and youth mindset in every department. And I was so set on that, like, this is the only way it's going to work. And then as me and Carrie experimented with this and Jeff Martins and you experimented with this, like learning our team actually works better together. and we can still have this idea of specialization in family ministry with an overarching um, vision of integration as well. Yeah, no, that's great. Uh, I want to shift gears a little bit because the conversation that you brought uh, specifically about integration with Mm -hmm. regards to the emerging generation kind of wove into what some other, uh, I'll say younger, meaning 18 to 29 ish uh, leaders in the church Mm-hmm. have been feeling and wrestling with and even uh, kind of imagining around emerging gen ministry. And so now the group of you have started to kind of journey together in this mm-hmm. way. And so along with specifically Erica Singer and uh, you mentioned Justin, Justin Bricks, mm-hmm. uh, you guys have started to dive into just the kind of the broader dynamics of kind of where our church's emerging generation is at and how we can serve and engage and mobilize them to a greater degree. So I guess first things first, you guys wanted to do a bit of a state of the union and you launched a survey. Mm-hmm. What what prompted that? Yeah, that, you know, Justin actually was the one who took the lead on the survey and uh, me and Erica came up behind him and, and uh, supported him that. And we did that together, but it was essentially just curiosity. We simply wanted to learn as much as we could, you know, where are young people in our community at? Do they feel empowered as leaders? Uh, what are they excited to see change in the church and what do they want to see growth in, you know, those kinds of questions. And Justin, he's been a great reminder to Eric and I to posture ourselves with humility and, and approach these conversations with questions and curiosity instead of you know, demands and consulting. How many, how many people did you send the survey out to? About 35 to 40 people. Okay, and and give me a summary of uh, kind of what you heard collectively from this group. Mm-hmm. We heard that you know they're passionate about justice, inclusion, community, and experimenting with gathering in more unconventional and creative ways. You know they want to be a part of the amazing things that Southridge is already doing. They want to be challenged to grow in their leadership and in following Jesus, and they want to see young people leading the way too, like their peers. 
Yeah, yeah. And what would you say you learned about, you know, as you process this with Eric and Justin, what, what did you learn about where our emerging generation is at these days when it comes mm-hmm. to the life in our church? Mm-hmm. Well, I've known for a while that young people are passionate, passionate about Justin, justice and inclusion. You Maybe know, Justin to, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, who isn't? <laughs> that hair. Uh, talk to any student for 10 minutes and you'll hear it right from them, right? And uh, personally, for me, from the survey, I learned that they're, they're so hungry for leadership opportunities. They're hungry to see their people on stage and on the front lines of advancing God's kingdom. Like, I knew they cared, but I didn't realize how much they wanted to participate and to see this young generation like really rise up in mm-hmm. leadership. Mm-hmm. And that was really, I think, the, the initial goal uh, in clustering the, yes. the three of you together, because you all, for different reasons, kind of were sharing in this passion that uh, over the years we've referred to as generational transfer, right? Literally yes. the handing of the keys of the family business or the passing of the baton from one generation of leaders to the next or to the emerging generation. And so, mm-hmm. you know, starting with a survey, kind of getting a read for where people are at, Mm-hmm. Um, we've, we've begun, I guess, in the most preliminary sense, uh, the conversations, if not the process of developing and activating and mm-hmm. engaging the emerging generation so that we can further the process of, of generational transfer. Yeah. So, you know, this survey was to really launch something much more grand, you know, mm-hmm. uh, some leadership development and ministry engagement and whatnot for the emerging gen. And I know you guys had some different ideas and initiatives in mind, Um, but then something changed. In the last number of months, there's been kind of a shift. Talk about what happened that made you see the engagement of our emerging generation from a bit of a different perspective. Sure. Yeah, this is where things got really interesting and exciting for us. Now, the shift came from really a meeting that Justin, Erica, and I had with you and Carrie before Christmas, we came in expecting to talk about leadership development ideas. And somewhere in that conversation, you had started to share with us stories of you and some other leaders when you guys were our age and how you weren't just looking for leadership opportunities or influence or to be heard, but you were all just trying to follow Jesus together and apply his teachings to your life. And the three of us left that meeting inspired and convicted. And I remember saying to them later on, I was like, you, you guys felt that too, right? Like we were convicted because all three of us had to confess to each other that our lives did not reflect the stories that you were sharing. And we were inspired because we all were crazy pumped to just start following Jesus better together. And so that's where that shift yeah, it's hard to replay the whole conversation, but yeah. I think the for me the, the one of the the triggers of it was this hunger in the emerging generation right. for voice, right? They, they, there was a, a hunger for voice, a hunger yes. for influence, a hunger to shape culture and things yep. like that. Exactly. And you know, it, it kind of got me reflecting on you know people you know, back in our day in our twenties with a Chris Fowler, with a Mike Krause, with myself, you know, people like Tom Lowen and others. Mm-hmm. And just feeling like our hunger was actually very different. And we weren't 
I don't know if people were even surveying us, but people mm. you know, who would ask, we weren't pushing for asking for a greater degree of voice. Right. We were just wanting to, to follow Jesus more recklessly yes. and, and more radically and share whatever God was doing uh, among us. And so yeah. just in that, what, what seemed like a bit of a disconnect, we almost started to sort of tease that idea out. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like God uh, started to grab your attention with that, mm-hmm. that conversation on the difference between wanting a voice and wanting to be an influence versus just wanting to be a deeper, you know, more fully devoted exactly. follower of Jesus. So, you know, first things first, Keith, just at a personal level, what did you feel like God was saying to you? Yeah, in that moment, God was saying that I'd spent, I like, I've really felt this. God was saying I'd spent so much time you know, deconstructing my faith and what seemed like going through the motions of trying to love people well, that I had forgotten what it meant to follow Jesus in that. And experience the kind of transformation that comes from abiding and letting that expand the way I love others. And that's really what this is all about, right? Like us following mm. Jesus better together. So yeah, somewhere yeah. in the last years of me trying to figure out my faith, I actually lost my way in following Jesus. Hmm. And what what sense then, as you kind of apply that to a, a generation of, mm-hmm. we'll say 20-somethings, but we're you know 18 to 29, whatever that range is, yep. what, what sense did you get? for what would help or stimulate Mm -hmm. this kind of broader emerging generation the most these days? Mm -hmm. Well, as you were sharing your stories, you'd said that leadership comes from this sense of ownership, right, in your community. These are my people. This is my community. I share this responsibility of inviting them into a lifestyle full devotion. But that ownership comes when there's this passionate Jesus followership. And if we're not following Jesus with everything in us, no, we aren't going to have the sense of ownership. Without that ownership, we'll never experience that leadership. And so, yeah, as young people, we want to see change and we want to be leading. But are we following Jesus with everything we have, even if what we have isn't much? Um, that's where we need to start, though. Yeah, that that leadership is a function of ownership and ownership is a function of followership. So let's right. first things first. Start with followership, yes. and then let's move through the process there. So, I would say from you know my seat, it, it, it didn't it didn't take our eye off the finish line no. of generational transfer of leadership, really at all. But it did move the the markers to the starting point. I think a, a little bit. So, yeah, talk to me a little bit about what that conversation then was like among you and Eric and Justin as you as you process that. Yeah. Pretty much it was like, hey, let's create ways for us to follow Jesus better together. You know, we wanted to find ways for us to not just study our Bibles and pray more, but to take risks and to experiment with following Jesus and applying his teachings to our lives. You know, we want like high accountability, high vulnerability, high risk, not flashy, this training ground for following Jesus. And so the conversation was just like, how can we do this together? So you know, after coming in to a meeting with the, the, the five of us with mm-hmm. some leadership development initiatives, mm-hmm. this conviction now shifted, uh, I guess, the direction of at least this first phase mm-hmm. of engaging and empowering the next generation into some followership development yes. initiatives. Yep. So talk about what you guys are trying to work through and plan for the winter months these days. Yeah, for sure. So there's a there's a lot going on, but... Uh, 
this winter, you know, alongside with the other short-term life groups, we're launching our own young adult short-term life group centered around practicing the way of Jesus. So we'll be introducing the book Following the Way of Jesus by Mark Scandrett in that group. And how many weeks is that going to work? That's six weeks. The first half of the book has six chapters, and so we'll be doing one chapter. The first half of the book. Okay. That's right. And so talk about what this short-term group's going to look like. It's going to meet weekly? That's correct. Weekly, six weeks. Um, along Do you know with what day? The, say that one more time. Do you know what day? Oh, I I should probably know that off the top of my head. It's on the website. We'll send our people to the website for that yes. one. But I'm just asking <laughs> if people are listening and thinking, hey, I'd like to be part of this. Um, yeah, and you're working through this book. Talk about this book a little bit. Yeah. Along with each chapter are some introductory spiritual exercises and questions that will inspire some soul searching, some vulnerability, and a desire to dig deeper. Now, we want to process together how so many of us want to live the way of Jesus, yet too often our methods of spiritual formation are individualistic, they're information-driven, and they're disconnected from the details of everyday life. And so we're asking the question, like, why aren't we experiencing the kind of transformation that was historically expected result of following Jesus? What would you say in offering the short-term group around this book are yours or yours and Justin and Erica's Mm -hmm. uh, goals for this thing? What do you want to see happen? Our hope is that in the same way that Justin and Erica and I were inspired and convicted by your stories, Jeff, that we can inspire others to follow Jesus better and apply his teachings to our lives. You know, we're hoping that we can get a sense for who's really sold out to this, who's hungry for more, and who's going to be willing to move on to the next phase of what this is going to be, which is going to be epic, by the way. Um, and we'll talk about that in a sec. Final yeah. question along the, the, the short-term group. Um, you know, we got a lot of young adults, mm-hmm. emerging gen people uh, who listen to our podcast. What would you say to someone who's considering joining this short-term group or maybe someone who never really thought they'd give a short-term group a chance but mm-hmm. could be in the target audience of this, this experience? Mm-hmm. I would say that if you're looking for a sexy, easy, comforting, reassuring Bible study, then this probably isn't the short-term life group for you. No, we're not looking to settle into the way that we've lived out our faith for the last 20 years or to confirm what we already believe. We're looking to challenge, stretch, and move ourselves out of our comforts and vices to experience the transformation that comes from following Jesus and being a part of advancing God's kingdom. Yeah, I mean... uh having not read the book, but hearing kind of the synopsis and, and what you guys are, are trying to see God do through it, I just remind all of us, um, even of the, the conversation we had during the message portion of our Christmas service, you know, that, that, that God's comfort and frankly, all of God's activity pretty much happens in the zone when we step outside of our comfort yeah. zone. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're kind of on the fence and you're thinking, oh man, this, this, this might freak me out or, you know, the fact that we're going to do it on Zoom because we're still navigating the pandemic, that, that doesn't really appeal to me, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, ask yourself how much you'd be willing to, to go outside your comfort zone mm-hmm. to give God a chance to work. Absolutely. Uh, because that's typically the, the, the way that he works. He comforts, he stretches, he convicts, he challenges, mm-hmm. he transforms us most in those places when we find ourselves out of our comfort zone. So, um, 
Now let's skip ahead to, to where you're seeing this going. I know that you and Erica and Justin have a sense of what this short-term group could trigger. Talk a little bit about where you're hoping that leads, this six weeks, first six chapters of this book. Mm-hmm. We're hoping that it leads to a collective of young people in our community who are just pumped about following Jesus together. And once we have that, we're planning a next phase initiative that we want to launch and invite this collective into. And just describe that a little bit, the kinds of initiatives that you guys would be preparing for, you know, even flowing out of this, let's say, into the spring. Yeah, into the spring, there's possibility of maybe another short-term life group where we'd invest more in the people who are passionate about this. So that's one option for the spring. Um, I could get into some of the stuff that we're looking to do more in the summer. Um, And this is where things get like real sweet. You know, the book talks about this path for discipleship that is more like a karate studio than a lecture hall and introduces the idea of a dojo. And how in Japanese, the word dojo means place of the way, where traditionally one would practice martial arts and meditation, but a dojo could be created for any skill or discipline. You can have a cooking dojo, a knitting dojo, or a Jesus dojo. You can probably see where this is going. So once we have that collective of passionate young people, that we want to invite them into this Jesus dojo, a path for experiential discipleship, where We don't simply listen to one another talk about Jesus, but experiment and take risks with how to apply his teachings to our everyday lives. Uh, It's an active learning environment where the participants, they're not just invited to participate, but it's expected. So talk about, you know, who you're looking to plug in to this dojo experience. Who? Any young adult who's passionate and wants to experience transformation in their lives and reflect Jesus more to the people around them. Right. So not specifically, it's not just for a subset of people who come out of this short-term group. I want to be clear about that. Yes, um, that's right. But it, it, it does come with some caveat on the expectations or the intensities of this thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, so over the summer months, do you want to say anything else about... Uh, what people could expect or consider kind of diving into as short-term groups are leading to this kind of sub-community pursuing this dojo way of life? Uh, there's, we're still, we're just dreaming about that still and how to, how to have like an ongoing, you know, five to six month experiment or uh, alongside these, you know, passionate people who are wanting to follow Jesus together. So it's a lot of dreaming at this point. Okay. Yeah. Um, with your eyes on the fall, is there anything that you're hoping to mm. kind of move into or launch then? Oh, yeah. So someone wrote this amazing book called Finding Our Way. You know, maybe you've heard of it, Jeff. Possibly. Yeah. During the pandemic, you gave me, Justin, and Erica the book that you actually wrote that covers the history of Southridge and your journey alongside so many other leaders to get to where we are today. And first off, the most amazing thing to me reading the book was reading about the level of passionate Christ followership that you and so many others had as young leaders and how your main goal was to apply his teachings to your lives and how our spiritual gymnasium of, you know, spiritual practices 
our anchor causes and our community life outside of Sunday mornings, all of this, it's all a product of taking following Jesus seriously and wanting to see that lived out in a lifestyle full devotion. And then you hear the stories of all the things that you had to navigate and you know what it takes to lead this community. And so me and Justin, we're dreaming about, you know, we would love to process this book together with the dojo and just get a sense for what our leaders before us have done and the abundance of, you know, the wealth of wisdom and experience and passion that us young people can learn from. Aside from that, we're dreaming of some other leadership development paths that we can take alongside continually practicing the way of Jesus together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hopefully the book's published by then. We actually have one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I do just want to make a comment on that because it, it kind of brings us full circle to your original, you know, in your, your day job in student ministry, mm-hmm. this heart for integration. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, what I hope our listeners are hearing isn't that a bunch of us senior leaders have kind of released some emerging next-gen leaders to stir up the dust of Christ followership among the emerging gen, but rather that in grabbing hold of this and owning this for yourselves, that together intergenerationally, Mm -hmm. uh, we can ultimately journey together and and feed off each other. So I'm really hoping that that can be a a picture by the time we're launching into the fall Mm -hmm. uh, that that we can enjoy, especially as the pandemic kind of subsides. Obviously, all of this is in that sequence and timing as well, because like you said earlier, there's not a lot of relational capacity to to be leveraged right now. and hopefully, you know, we can be together in person and share in each other's passion face to face as the fall season approaches. So yeah. um, as we wrap up, talk about your your general kind of vision invitation <laughs> to this emerging generation of our church these days. Yeah, the overall vision is that we're just seeking to be a collective of people who experiment and take risks to apply the teachings of Jesus to our everyday lives. I feel like I've said that a hundred times already. One day, this church, like you were saying, is going to be passed down to new leaders. And I would hope that these young leaders show the same humility, ownership, passion, and full devotion to Jesus that our our leaders before us show. Now, even if we're not, though, even if we're not the ones to lead this community one day, we want to invite our young people into a deeply soulful life where we're becoming fully human and awake to our Creator. So that's the invitation. Any uh, any final encouragements or challenges to all of us listening when it comes to engaging this emerging generation mm-hmm. in their faith and even just for our church together for the future? Mm-hmm, totally. First off, like I said in the beginning, you know, when it comes to integration, this isn't just your church leader's responsibility. As a community, we all bear this responsibility of being the church with young people. So you know, pray for us, get to know us, invite us to your homes when the pandemic is over and Let's share life together. Secondly, for any young people listening, uh, when it comes to you know the short-term life group and the dojo, this isn't just something extra that we're we're doing to be extra passionate or extra Jesusy. No, this is simply what we believe it means to follow Jesus. So, like, let's do this together. You know, we're excited to see you at the young adult short-term life group. Amazing. Uh, it's certainly been thrilling journeying with you guys for the last six months. Mm. Uh, I'm so appreciative, Keith, for sitting down and sharing that passion with mm. all of us. And I hope for all of you who've been listening that you've 
been able to get a bit of a taste for what this emerging generation is starting to get exciting about, mm-hmm. excited about. And uh, it sure is thrilling to, to watch uh, you guys and gals blossom in your hearts in that way. So uh, wishing you all the best. Can't wait to hear some updates in the coming months. And uh, in the meantime, we'll keep updating uh, the rest of us on all kinds of stuff in the life of our church as we continue finding our way together. So take care, everyone. We'll see you next week. Bye.